The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. Michael Graff Show. Hello, how come I rich and you not? How come you not sell real estate like I do? How come I sleep with your wife while you at work and then I pee in your toilet and don't flush? And sometimes I open the back part and I pee in there so that when you flush, pee come out. You know why? Because I'm smart. I'm smart, you stupid. Michael Graff. We're dealing with one sick son of a bitch. Okay, okay, let's try to watch the language. There's children present, yeah? That's right. One in ten support D's nuts for present. The zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Hey, that's just a regular unattractive guy who's not famous. Michael Groff. If it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down. And you're an idiot. Ah! At the tone, the time will be 26 Railroad. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Oh, that's what gay is? Oh, yeah, I could totally get into that. The following program is in the hands of a guy whose professional and personal lives are about as depressing as the idea of Donald Trump with access to the nuclear codes. From his exile in the urban desert, it's the zip code famous Michael Graff Show. we have to change that to more dangerous to society than Donald Trump with access to Twitter. What an absolute circus. Oh, my goodness. All right, welcome in. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on a Friday. I thought the bitch was wise. <laughs> God damn it! All right, thank you, Roseanne. It is the 27th of July, 2018. Contact information for the program, Show at gmail.com. That is the email address, Show at gmail.com. That's also my PayPal address for your most generous contributions to the program, Show at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Michael Groff, Facebook, The Michael Groff Show, and for everything else Michael Groff related, you can go to the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. While you're there, you can listen to this and previous editions of this show. And, of course, listen via the various avenues. Uh, Apple, on iTunes, or Google Play for your Android. Anybody can listen. Basically, we're on, I don't even know how many umpteen platforms at this point, but I would suggest you subscribe to us via iTunes or Google. That way, when we post new shows, you'll get those downloaded directly to you. And I always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Thank you so much for your continued support. It's been a very weird week again. It's one of those periods of time where I don't even know where to start or what to talk about, what to get into. Let me just say this, first of all. This has been the hottest week of the year so far in Phoenix. We had a high of 115 plus on three straight days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Yesterday officially was 111. Today, as I'm doing this show right now, let me look over here. It is 112 outside of my palatial studio here in beautiful Arcadia in Phoenix, Arizona. So it is is toasty out there again. And we've had lows in the 90s also. That's been the other problem is it's not even cooling off at night. We have lows in the 90s. It gets muggy. It's just been horrible. I'm hoping we get a major storm. I was awakened again last night or this morning by another dream of having a tornado come through my neighborhood. I have this dream a lot. I know dream analysts... People that love to talk about dreams will tell me all sorts of different interpretations they have through the years because this is probably my number one recurring theme. 
Number two is being in college or high school or just school in general and um, not being prepared for anything, for tests or whatever. But my number one recurring dream is about tornadoes. And sometimes they're not all that realistic. And I know that I'm dreaming within the dream and I can go, okay, this is bull crap. All right, let's just, let's get it over with. Come on, roar, tornado. Okay. But sometimes they're very realistic. And that was the problem last night. I woke up, my heart was pounding. I even like went outside looking around. I thought maybe I'm hearing thunder and, you know, through my dream or something. Of course not. It was just a beautiful full moon with a few clouds around it. It was fantastic. But that was, um, that's like my number one dream. And so I, I think maybe we're due for a storm because I've, I've had it like three times this week. That stupid dream. Speaking of nightmares, uh, the guy I wouldn't want to be right about now is Mark Zuckerberg. Did you see what happened to him yesterday? He lost an estimated $15.4 billion of his net worth in one day as the Facebook stock absolutely plummeted. I mean, free fall. This thing lost $120 billion in one day, the single greatest one-day drop in any stock in the history of the exchange. And Zuckerberg, you know, he, of course, since, you know, he's in charge, he's the founder, he's the head of Facebook, he lost 15 billion bucks in a day. I mean, yeah, I'd still want to be Mark Zuckerberg because despite that, he still has more money than I would ever make if I lived to be 10,000 years old. But nonetheless, that must have been a pretty frustrating day for Mark Zuckerberg. Can you imagine being the accountant that had to make that phone call? Uh, hey, Mark. Uh, yeah, you might have seen some news about the stock. It yeah, it kind of had a little bit of a down day. Um, so just looking through the financials here, uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna affect us a little bit. I uh, actually I put it into Microsoft Excel and and it crashed. So I uh, had to order a special calculator. Um, you know, no big deal. Just no big deal. It's just a small uh, little loss of about fifteen billion dollars. Anyway, uh, hey, you know, if you've got a liquor cabinet, you might want to just drink everything in there. Talk to you in a couple of days, Mark. I'm not crying for the guy by any means, but he went down on the billionaires list ranking yesterday. I mean, just one day. Now, this has been a long time coming. This has been a slow decline, at least up until yesterday for Facebook. And it wasn't just Facebook either. Other social media sites like Twitter took a big hit too. Their stock went down 12%. And this has been, again, coming ever since the investigation into Russia, all the fake accounts that were created on Facebook, the fake accounts that are still being created, the fact that they've been cracking down on those fake accounts, removing them, which makes the total user count look smaller. Then you have all the information that's come out recently about the fact that Facebook sold off their users' private information to various companies and people got outraged about that, which I still don't understand how people can get mad about that. How do people get mad about Facebook selling their private information when those people post their private information willingly online all the friggin' time? How do you get mad about, oh, I can't believe they sold off my private information. By the way, I'm getting mad, so now I'm going to go, I'm off to Red Lobster to have, uh, to enjoy some Lobster Fest. I'm bringing uh, my significant other who I, pro who I banged last night three times, bringing them there. Uh, by the way, I'm wearing, uh, I'm wearing a green shirt. I'm wearing black shorts. I'm wearing Nikes. Um, I, this is who I'm in a relationship with. I'm going to also post my birthday, my phone number, all of my contact information. Going to show you where I am 
Every time I go someplace, all of my personal thoughts, going to jot those down. My political affiliation, going to put all that there. But I'm so upset that Facebook would dare sell my information like that to a private company. <laughs> People are just getting outraged by this. I don't understand the outrage at all. I don't get it. Um, I read the quotes in some of these articles from users. I can't believe the betrayal, the backstabbing from Facebook, giving it... People really think they have an expectation of privacy on the Internet. And according to any law, any attorney will tell you, you do not have any reasonable expectation of privacy on the Internet. Even your email is not uh, is not covered by reasonable expectation of privacy. Sure, if someone hacks into your email account, that's wrong. It's against the law to do that. But do you know all of the various places when you send just an email to someone? You know, it goes through several different servers at the minimum in some cases it goes through a dozen or 18 different servers and routers and different places just to get to somebody so no there's no privacy on the internet anywhere i think about it this way too when you present this to people imagine if you had a time machine going back 40 years to 1978 and you say to somebody all right man i got this great invention it's a machine where you can Speak your mind. You can share any idea that you have, any thought, anything you want to say. And once you press this button, it's out there for the entire world to see. It's instant, too. It's, it's, it's As soon as you hit that button, boom, it's right there for everybody to see. You can post as many times as you want. You can write it out in text. You can even post your photos and videos. You can share a location on a map. It puts a dot exactly where you are with an accuracy of, of about 10 feet of where you are at any given time. It'll show you. Uh, you can do all sorts. You can tell people that you're watching a movie. You can tell people the end of that movie uh, while, they're, while other people are waiting in line to see it. And uh, oh, by the way, one other thing about this little invention is uh, whatever you write, whatever you share, any of the thoughts that you have, uh, it's permanent. It's up there forever. Well, wait, wait, wait. So I, why can't I can't delete it? Oh, yeah, you can delete it and it'll go away. But um, like a tattoo, uh, there's always uh, an image that's there someplace. There's always remnants that are there. Uh, and if somebody really looks hard enough, they can find it again. So, um, yeah, what do you think of this invention? Uh, there'd be no way that anyone would ever want anything to do with that. And why would you? It's dumb. The whole concept is great. But I'll say this, and I know it sounds like I bag on social media on almost every show. I get the importance of it. I get the fundamental need for it. I get that it keeps friends and families and relationships going. I do understand that. I really do. I understand the the fundamentals behind it. Uh, it's great for promoting certain things like talk shows and podcasts, for example. Of course, it's great for that. Uh, I I don't even use it nearly as much as I should. I have a friend, and I don't think they listen to this show, so I'll just mention it right here. I've got a friend on Facebook that peddles their sex toy and uh, adult lotion potion business on there. Not making this up. They peddle. The, they're literally selling sex toys and lubes on their as a business on, uh, and they link link it up on their Facebook page. Um, I've got other friends that post eighty or ninety times a day with telling you where they are, what they're doing, uh, who they're with. I mean, it's it is. 
crazy to the point where I've actually had to unfollow them. I'm still their Facebook friend, but I don't even follow them anymore because it's it's nonstop. It's not like, oh, here's a couple of posts. Here's a meme. Here's some. And that's the other thing is most people that I know just post memes all the time, which also irritates me that that'll earn you an unfollow if that's all you ever post once in a while. Hilarious. Um, 30 times a day. Not so hilarious. It's at the point where it's unfollow time. I mean, it's my pretty soon. My newsfeed is going to look like it's, it's going to be about seven people and that's it. And really, and I've got, I don't know, 110 Facebook friends or something like that. And of those, well over half of them barely ever post. A few of them post maybe once a day or once every few days. Some post multiple times a day. They're still okay. But then there's the people that are way up there in the stratosphere. You know, they're 40 times a day and 38 of them are nonsense. So... That's why I, I guess that's why I'm so bad at promoting my show because I always think I'm annoying people, even if they I, I think they might want to see what I have to say. I'm so afraid of being that guy or becoming that guy that just posts constantly that I uh, I kind of go the other way and then I wind up not posting hardly at all, even when I should. Hell, I hardly ever even promote my show on my personal page, although I'm going to start doing that more often because why not? Might as well. And so social media, yeah, it's taking a hit right now. It's not going to go away. I know we're seeing these articles. Is this the end of social media? No, it's not the end of social media. Um, it's it's just taking a little bit of a hit right now. Users are leaving it. They'll come back or they'll go to a different place. That's what people do. Um, look, I get Facebook and Twitter. I'll tell you the, the one social media I don't get. I guess I even get Instagram. I understand it. I don't use it. But, uh, you know, we blind people don't usually gravitate toward visual mediums like Instagram. But the one that I don't understand at all is Snapchat. Why is that appealing in any way? As far as I can tell, Snapchat is used almost exclusively by women to post the pictures of themselves with the with the cat ears and the whiskers and the funny nose on their social media pages or on dating sites. And that's been the exclusive use for it. And it's primarily, I, it used to be used almost entirely by teenagers. Now it's middle-aged women. That's it. It's not like they just post one of those cat pictures one time. They do it like a hundred times. And each time I'm sure they think that it's funny and new and original. But it's like, okay, the first time it was kind of fun. All right. Yeah, that's cute. Ha ha ha. The second time. Uh, all right. Uh, yep. Yeah, that's neat. Saw it. And then by about the third or fourth time, I'm already tired of it. By the hundredth time, I'm like, well, it's time to unfollow you. It's time to not give a crap. I'm done. No more. Bye-bye. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've seen it. I'm just done with it. One of my friends was just ranting about this actually a couple of weeks ago. We were out at lunch and he was on his phone looking through one of the dating sites and he's just like, I'm so tired of these Snapchat photos. And he says this like every time he's on dating sites. So tired of the women with the Snapchat filters on. And my advice to him is the same as any guy that goes on the dating sites right now. If you see a woman with the Snapchat filters on, that is an automatic red flag. That is a just stay away, don't go near them because they think that they're creative and clever and cute and they're none of the above. Don't do it. Um, they're usually doing that to cover something up and the thing that they're covering up is the fact that they're crazy. 
So, or that they're they're using this Snapchat filter to hide obvious facial hair. So, yeah, it's basically the equivalent of the guy that stands in front of the bathroom mirror with his shirt off and tries to show you his his abs, man. I lift, bro. I flex, man. They're like flexing in front of the mirror. Women complain about that a lot. And I, I don't know why guys still think that that's something that's going to land them a date or that's going to get them a relationship going or even a hookup. Yeah, look at me, bro. Like most of the guys that do that are not in the greatest of shape. They really aren't. Like, why would you do that? Explain to me why that's something that you think is a good idea. You know, you want to put your best foot forward in an online profile. But again, guys are stupid. That's the main reason that they do that. And, and especially in this day and age where everybody gets body shamed now, why would you ever subject yourself? I know I wouldn't. I would, even if I was in a committed relationship, I'd have a hard time taking my shirt off in front of uh, a significant other because, I mean, listen, listen, man, it's, I don't got a lot going on here, okay? I mean, I got a lot going on. That's the problem. I have too much going on. I like burgers, all right? So that's my problem. But, uh, I mean, look, Tom Brady is being body shamed right now. And if Super Bowl MVP quarterback Tom Brady, the guy that's doing more at 40 than anybody else in the history of the sport is able to do, if he is being body shamed, what hope do any of us have? And again, I saw the picture. He's, he's somewhere with his wife, Giselle, and he has his shirt off. And I don't understand. First of all, the guy's in much better shape than I am. And he's in much better shape than 99.8% of the guys or people, women too, that are criticizing him. Yeah, sure. He doesn't have the washboard abs. Yeah, he doesn't have those muscles that are just bulging out everywhere so much to the point where they're, they have the veins are sticking out everywhere. Like you see on those disgusting bodybuilding videos or, or pictures or bodybuilding websites. It's, you know, that, that just looks gross. That's hideous. Tom Brady just looks like he's, you know, he's kind of thin and not particularly muscular, not particularly not muscular. He just looks kind of, you know, like a dude, just, just looks very regular, very ordinary. I guess people expect him to look like a superhero. Like he's supposed to just be this pillar of fitness. Meanwhile, Anybody that would criticize him for what he looks like, A, why would you bother? Who cares? And B, well, what have you done in 40 years? Because Tom Brady's certainly done more than I would ever be able to do. He's certainly still in better shape than I am. He could run faster than me. He can throw harder than I can. Any athletic endeavor, no matter what it is, he would be better at it than I am, and he'd be better at it than just about anybody else in the sound of my voice. He would be better at any of that. So I don't understand why, who body shames Tom Brady? Uh, all right. Well, whatever. And I know body shaming is like one of these things that it's a, it's a controversial topic, I guess. It's one thing to be comfortable in your own skin. Clearly, I'm not. I need to lose some weight. Okay. I'm just going to come out and say it. I do. Uh, I don't look very good with my shirt off. But you know what? I'm willing to admit it. I'll tell you that right now. I, I could lose some weight. Hey, if you want to, it doesn't matter what you look like as far as I'm concerned. You can look like whatever you want. Me, I know what I need to do. But you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to sit there and point out a professional athlete's physique and say, yeah, it looks terrible. Hey, what about those offensive linemen? I mean, those guys have a lot of extra weight on them. Many of them have heart problems and various disease after they retire. Uh, a, because a lot of them take steroids. But B, 
because a lot of them have a very unhealthy eating habits. And it's hard for them to kick that once they get out of the league. The average lineman's only in the league for what, uh, three, four years maybe? I mean, so it's um, it's tough. That is definitely a tough deal. Um, I don't know. Maybe people just should just mind their own business. I guess that's kind of the bottom line to this conversation. Anyway, you can body shame me all you like. It might actually motivate me to do something about it. I don't know. Could be. Uh, we've got to take a break here. And when we continue, we've got a ton of stuff to get into. Obviously, there's a lot going on with Donald Trump and the White House and another roller coaster week. I don't know if I've ever seen two weeks back to back like this in any administration or any politician, at least not here in the United States. You had another up and down, weird flip flop sort of news cycle, a flip flop in terms of opinion on a couple of different big issues. There's so much going on with this. I don't know if we're going to be able to cover it all, but I'm going to do my best. But there's going to be a bit of a twist to it. All right. We'll see how this works. This is just an experiment, as really this entire show has been for all these years. And we'll get into it next. For reasons unknown, you're still listening to the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. MichaelGroff.com Because you're hot. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention we're doing random bumpers tonight. Yeah, uh, sorry about that. Famous Michael Groff Show on a Friday, the 27th of July. Random bumpers on the show tonight. So far, we've avoided the uh, the landmine. Yeah, we had Katy Perry, but... This song kicks ass, so... I swear one of these days, I'm just going to do a podcast where I just come in and play random music or something. I mean, we, we do the song of the day... It wouldn't take a whole lot. It'd be a lot less effort on my part. There were nights I used to do that back in the live show days. I didn't just play music exclusively, but there were nights where, you know, we'd just mix in a couple of extra songs or something, or I'd stay around after the show and just play music for a while. Why not? It's either play music or I have to talk about this. Here, this was a tweet that was just forwarded to me. This is uh, a breaking news story. Uh, People Magazine just tweeted, CBS CEO Les Moonves accused of sexual misconduct by six women, including actress Alina Douglas. I don't know who Alina Douglas is. I'm, I'm, uh, I was just looking that up when I was uh, rolling the bumper here. Let's see. I kind of sort of recognize her. I'm sure 
And I, I haven't looked at this, but I, she's got to have appeared on an episode of Law and Order because she definitely looks like she has. And since I've seen every episode of Law and Order SVU and the original Law and Order and even Criminal Intent and Trial by Jury and Law and Order Moving Violations Enforcement Unit. So, uh, yeah, she did. She appeared on three episodes of SVU back in 2002 and 2003. There you go. So another person has been Me Too'd. You know, the thing about the Me Too movement, we haven't really talked about this because a lot of that happened uh, during one of our extended hiatuses. But on one hand, I understand and it's, it's great that women have come out and are empowered now and we're speaking out about Hollywood, you know, the way that it's been run forever. And don't kid yourself, it's still being run that way. But the thing about the way that everything's going right now is that I think the Me Too movement has almost turned into a witch hunt. And what I mean by that is I don't mean that everybody that's coming forward is falsely accusing people. But I think that the problem is, is that everyone that's being accused is automatically presumed to be guilty. And I think that's a problem. Now, when you have scumbags like Bill Cosby and people that have obvious, I mean, when, you, when you're talking about 60 people that have accused somebody of something, that's one thing. Or when you have somebody like Kevin Spacey who basically admitted it, he just said, well, I, you know, I was drunk for many years, so I don't really know what was going on. You know, when you've got that going on, then yes. On the other hand, you had guys like Louis C.K. who got caught up in this whole thing. And he was a weird guy, I guess, because he would invite women back to his hotel room and he'd beat off in front of them. That was like his kink. That was his turn on. And a lot of women thought that was okay. And I guess there was a few that didn't that thought that was weird. But I'll say this. Any comedian or whenever you have these guys that are stage performers and they invite you back to their hotel room, what do you think they're inviting you back to their hotel room for? Do you think they want to look at your script? Do you think they want to listen to your stand-up comedy? Do you think that they want to read your Big Bang Theory fanfic? No, the only Big Bang Theory they want to have is with you. That's it. And it's not a theory. They just want to bang you. That's what these guys want to do. That's why they invite you back to the hotel room. And, you know, some people, I can't believe he'd do that. I thought he wanted to, I thought he wanted to have dinner with me and cuddle and watch a movie together. Come on. You have to know why they're bringing you back there. Now, again, if, if they force you, if they, you know, restrain you, if they tie you up, you know, against your will, then yes, of course, that's wrong. But if you go back to someone's hotel room and then you they do something weird that you didn't like, that's completely different than sexual assault. But I think that's the problem with the Me Too thing is I think it kind of has gone a little too far. It's gotten to the point where there are guys now that are afraid to even talk to women in the workplace or out in bars or out because now people are afraid that, oh, my God, the sexual assault. He talked to me. He gave me a compliment. Not every compliment, not every time. Does a guy give somebody a compliment or somebody says something nice? Are they hitting on you? And not every time when somebody has a conversation, is it inappropriate? And it's gone the other way, too. This isn't just about men being scumbags toward women. This is about women that have been inappropriate with women and men with other men. That's kind of the Kevin Spacey thing. So it's sort of transcended all over the place. 
My problem with all of this, again, is that I think to some degree, the Me Too thing turned into a little bit of a witch hunt. And the other problem is that anybody that gets accused is just automatically presumed guilty. And I don't like that. Now, with Les Moonves, if it's six women that are coming forward, eh, maybe, I don't know. I'd have to see the circumstances behind it. And I think before we just automatically presume somebody is guilty, we need to look at the circumstances. Some people, it's very obvious. Or in the case of Bill Cosby, it's somebody that gets found guilty. Okay, that's obvious. On other cases, you don't know. Um, other cases, you have to just look at everything individually. And that's a problem that society, we just don't do that. And maybe we should. Man, think about all those rock shows in the 70s, 80s, 90s, where, and you would see this, anybody that's been to a rock show would see this. You'd have one of the performers on stage point to a woman or multiple women in the crowd. They'd be invited backstage after the show. And what do you think went on there? Hey, man, you want to check out my guitar, dude? You want to see my bass? <laughs> no. No. Well, yeah, they wanted you to play uh, an instrument all right. Uh, the skin flute. You know, that's what they wanted. And, you know, it's, it's okay. As long as there wasn't anything illegal going on, who cares, man? But the weird trend of presumption of guilt until proven innocent is a little bit alarming in all this. And... Um, we have to separate the scumbags from the people that aren't scumbags. And just looking at this um, Twitter, the underneath the Les Moonves story, so some of the comments, here's one. Keep rounding them up, ladies. All right. Men in power think they can do anything to women. Worked with them in the nuclear industry for 35 years. And I know how this works, having done this for as long as I have. Because I didn't just immediately say that Les Moonves is guilty... And because I don't think that everyone that's been accused is automatically guilty, I'm going to get emails from people going, you are just siding with guys because you have a dick. Ah, typical guy standing up for the guys. Nope, I'm standing up for the presumption of innocent until proven guilty or when the evidence is so overwhelming against an individual, such as it was against Bill Cosby, when you have such a mountain of evidence, when you have 40 years of evidence, and you have independent corroboration of a story by 60-plus women, that kind of tells you that something was going on there. You know, when you have one person that makes an accusation, and the accusation is, oh, he he's, uh, touched my butt for two seconds, once and maybe it was him i don't even know like the al franken thing they accused al franken of inappropriate stuff and you know there's one picture where it kind of looks like he might be touching a woman's ass maybe i don't know it kind of got sideways in a big hurry now when you have somebody like donald trump who we're going to be talking about here in just a second then yes there is quite a bit of evidence that would suggest that he was at the very least inappropriate with women. By his own account, when he talks about, oh, sometimes I just walk up to women, I grab them by the pussy. Like when you say that, when you just say that, even if you're just making it up, it sounds really, really creepy. Even in the best case scenario for you, it sounds creepy as hell. And I think Donald Trump has some questions that need to be answered as he has a very unsettling past when it comes to this sort of thing. And then, well, then, of course, there's the issue of 
paying campaign funds potentially. We don't know this yet, but there's certainly that part of the investigation where there's the allegation that he used campaign funds to pay off uh, women for their silence. Even though that was consensual sex, he paid off women for their silence so that his wife wouldn't find out. And whether or not that's true, well, there seems to be some recordings that would suggest that that's true. And that's not even something I want to talk about today, but that's that's out there floating around, too. His lawyer recorded some of this stuff. And there are tapes now. Oh, man, when you lie down with dogs, you get fleas. And I don't know who's worse, uh, Donald Trump or his lawyer. But you know what? I'm loving every minute of it. All right, now, hang on just a second, though. I want to talk about some of this stuff. But before I do, before we really delve into this, I want to roll out my new experiment for the show. And I don't know if this is going to be a one-off kind of deal or if this is going to become a regular part of the broadcast. But whenever we talk about politics, and especially when it comes to Donald Trump, I know it can get passionate, it can get heated. A lot of the time, for at least for some of you, this is a, a negative thing. Some of you don't like when we talk about politics. Some of you like it, but look, I get it. You know, 24-7 news cycles, it's just such the part of the culture now that you just can't escape it. And sometimes maybe you just want to listen to a podcast where a guy talks about anything else. So I understand. And some of you do like this stuff. So I thought of a way that maybe we could still talk about this stuff, but we spice it up a little bit or, or change the tone of it. Because this is such a serious, weighty, heavy subject, what would happen if we put Happy music in the background, particularly happy electronic music in the background. I figure this will give it that contrast of feelings. You have the serious, heavy stuff, and then you've got the happy, flighty music in the background. I don't know. I've never really tried it before. Um, we do the Who Gives a Fuck segment with the music beds in it, and that seems to work out. But this is going to be a completely different kind of music bed, so... Plus, I have this folder with all these different music beds in it, so I might as well use them. I, um, over the years, I've just acquired all these different instrumental beds, and so why not actually incorporate them? Otherwise, they're just sitting there in the hard drive, taking up space, so I might as well use them, right? So here we go. Let's give it a shot. I like it already. All right, so it's been a rough couple of weeks for the Trump administration. Last week, of course, the meeting with Vladimir Putin in Helsinki, where he says, I don't see any reason why it would be Russia. Then he comes back to home soil and says, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be, hemming and hawing. And then he tells CBS News, oh, no, I've known it's been Russia all along. I've known that. Then Dan Coats is, now Dan Coats is the head of intelligence. He's off doing an interview someplace. And the anchor looks at him while they're doing the interview and says, oh, we have some breaking news. Uh, apparently, Vladimir Putin's been invited to the White House in September, completely catching Dan Coats off guard. And that was just one of those classic WTF moments. And I, 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 I'm still laughing about it now. So that was last week. Oh, and then the meeting with Vladimir Putin was put off until 2019. Obviously, enough people finally got a hold of Donald Trump and said, what the hell are you doing? He said, all right, all right, I understand your concerns. We're still going to do it, though. We're just going to do it sometime in 2019, which probably means January, February, something like that. So then this week, there's two big landmines that Trump has basically stepped on. Number one is the tariff situation. 
Now, as you know, Donald Trump has decided to institute tariffs on our allies for reasons that I do not understand and no one seems to understand. Even the Republicans, whom have largely been against tariffs, and a lot of people, both Republicans and Democrats, were screaming about NAFTA and all that stuff too, but generally speaking, tariffs are a bad idea. They can work. There's certain circumstances where that's okay, but to just blanketly institute tariffs on our allies for no apparent reason whatsoever um, other than America seems very weird. And so those started to go into effect. And then Donald Trump said to farmers who were going to be hurt most by this that he was going to give them a subsidy. So he's giving farmers a subsidy because they're losing money from tariffs that shouldn't be in place in the first place. He's taking more money from the taxpayers or taking more money from the government resources that we don't have and giving it to farmers for some for money that they're going to lose that they shouldn't be losing in the first place. Why? It just makes no sense. The whole thing makes absolutely no sense. So why why did Donald Trump do that? Then, as the week has gone on, he has now said, oh, I'm actually hoping to get rid of all the tariffs. Just bring them down to zero. If, if our allies will remove them, then I'll remove them. Another complete flip-flop. Another complete 180 on the tariffs. Well, almost. He's almost on the 180 because he's not gotten rid of them. He hasn't said that they're going to go away for sure, but he says, oh, now I'm, I'm on for getting rid of them. So that's the first part. That's, that's landmine number one. Tariffs, yes, then tariffs, no. And it's, it's really fun watching the Trump supporters try to spin why uh, they think this is such a good idea. Well, you see, tariffs are good. Uh, they're good for, uh, I don't know, they're, they're good. Because Donald Trump says they're good and, and it's going to bring jobs back to America. And what's weird, though, is that these are Tea Party guys. These are guys that were against the tariffs. They were against raising taxes on ourselves, on our allies, on anybody. They're all for free trade. And now all of a the sudden they have to take this stance on tariffs. And that, that includes the guys like Sean Hannity and these, these people who have screamed against tariffs for years. And suddenly, because Donald Trump says, let's do it. And now that Trump says, no, let's get rid of him, they're, they're spinning that positively. They're saying, no, well, well, of course, he recognized that they were bad. He just had to do it so that it would get their attention. Speaking of that, so that's landmine number one that we, well, that the Trump administration stepped on this week and then stepped on it again and has been clog dancing all over the minefield. Then, this Iran situation has just gotten, if it weren't our country, I'd say this is hilarious. So ever since Trump decided to nix the Iran deal back in May, and we can debate whether or not that was a good idea, obviously the Obama administration rushed into that whole thing, but the international community widely viewed the Iran deal as a mostly good thing because there would actually be oversight. It was at least a chance for some type of peace, for some relief in the Middle East, which anytime you can have any semblance of order over there, you might want to jump on it. I understand their point of view. 
I'm just one person that never has trusted Iran because, well, they've never given you a reason to trust them. But regardless, since the agreement was in place, if I had been the president, I probably would have said, okay, let's go with it. Let's Because what's the worst thing that could happen? They start building their nuclear program and then we blow it to smithereens or whatever we're going to do. But Trump decided to nix it. Never since then, the rhetoric from Iran has been picking up. And then, of course, the rhetoric from the White House picks up. And then Iran sort of made a veiled threat against the United States earlier this week. And then Trump responded. And when I say Trump responded, I mean Trump responded in the way that you would expect the average 15-year-old to respond while they're playing an online game like Fortnite or League of Legends. Like, this is the kind of thing I'd expect to see on World of Warcraft. Trump responded on Twitter in all caps, and I'm not, I'm not going to yell because my voice kind of hurts right now, but he says... Never, ever threaten the United States again, or you will suffer consequences the likes of which few throughout history have ever suffered before. We are no longer a country that will stand for your demented words of violence and death. Be cautious. So, oh, by the way, the be cautious has an exclamation point. So it's all caps and an exclamation point. That's how you engage in diplomacy. That's a world leader there, folks. That is the President of the United States of America. Four score and seven years ago. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And then some idiot ranting in all caps. Like a child. Like an online gamer. Like a person that is filled with rage. This guy would get banned from some online games for talking like that. Anyway, Iran fires back. This is Major General Qasim Soleimani, who says in a speech that he will he, that he will destroy everything that Trump owns. Soleimani said that the U.S. military in the Red Sea are not secure. Quote, Trump should know that we are the nation of martyrdom and that we await him. So you'd think now, all right, now the rhetoric is heating up. Here we go. But then Trump decided he was going to dial it down. He dialed it way down, in fact, and then he says, well, you know, I think that we could have another nuclear deal. I don't see why we couldn't. After telling them that we'll destroy them, in all caps, for the entire world to see. And then making speeches about this stuff. I mean, he's... This isn't this is the first time he's popped off like that, but he has certainly made plenty of remarks about Iran. Major General Qasem Soleimani, you know that this war will destroy everything you own. Of course, Iran talked about sending terrorists over here to blow stuff up. Quote, we are near you where you can't even imagine. Come, we are ready. If you begin the war, we will end the war. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. I don't know why Iran thinks that they're so tough or why anybody would be intimidated by them, but that's what they think. So good for them. 
Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of liking this happy music behind the political talk. I haven't even been that distracted by it. I've gone out of my way to not be. I usually can talk over music beds without it being too bad. I've kind of gotten used to it after all these years, finally. I just realized we should take a break. Listen, that's all the Trump stuff I want to get into tonight. There's a lot more we could talk about, but I think that's enough, right? That was like 10 minutes. That's not so bad. Not at all. All right. I think what we should do here is we should take a break. I think that'd be the best thing to do here. Of course, I'm actually a little bit afraid to do that because of the random bumper that could wind up playing, but we got to take a break eventually, get to that third and final segment, wrap things up. Lots still to talk about. It's the zip code famous Michael Grav show. We'll be back. The zip code famous Michael Grav show. Introducing the crappy cover segment here. Is that what's going on? Are we bringing that back? All right, let's see how the hook goes on this, and then I'm, uh, I'll make my determination there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I could have done a better cover of this. Oh, my goodness. Well, there you go. That's what happens with the random bumpers. I didn't even know this was in the music library to come up as a random bumper. But apparently it is. This is Every Avenue and their cover of Take Me Home Tonight. That is really terrible. All right, anyway, we're back. Third and final segment, the Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show. Oh, thank God it's the final segment. Can you imagine if we had to do more bumpers? I haven't even determined if the song of the day is going to be random or not. I was My intention was to have the song of the day be random. But having heard this, I'm afraid of what might happen. All right, anyway, groffshow at gmail.com. That's the email address. It's groffshow at gmail.com. That's also the PayPal address for your most generous contributions to the program. Once again, groffshow at gmail.com. On, <laughs> I almost did the full, uh, the old intro because I thought this was crappy covers. I really had a flashback to 2007. 
I was about to do AOL Instant Messenger and all that. Anyway, um, Michael Graff on Twitter, the Michael Graff Show on Facebook, and for everything else Michael Graff related, it's the one and only michaelgraff.com. While you're there, of course, you can listen to previous editions of this program as well as get subscribed via iTunes or our Google Podcast app, whatever. That way, whenever we're posting the brand new shows, you can download those and get those automatically sent to you. And of course, you know, you can just hang out if you want at the one and only michaelgraff.com. Speaking of 2007, today is a rather unfortunate anniversary here in the Phoenix area. It was 11 years ago today that two news helicopters crashed into each other while covering a police chase. The Channel 3 and Channel 15 helicopters collided and um, four people were killed as they crashed into Steel Indian School Park. That was a day that sort of changed media around here. Well, not really. I mean, they're still covering these uh, events. They still have the helicopters in the air. The only difference is two of the news channels did merge together, so that's just one less helicopter that's in the air. But it was a a really sad story. Um, It was something that I'll never get out of my mind because I was actually watching Channel 15 at the time that it happened. I think we played the audio on the air once, and I don't really want to ever play it again. And, you know, it's on YouTube, I think, if you want to go find it. I would actually recommend that you not do this. Now, of course, having said that, I know what human instinct is. You're going to go and check it out. But please take my word for it on this one. Don't do it. But for those of you that are morbidly curious, and again, I cannot emphasize, please do not do this. Um there is the footage of what happened. So you can see they were live on the air at the time. And they're watching this um, this guy get chased, and then he gets out, and it turns into a foot chase. And the Channel 15 helicopter realizes um, a couple... Well, you can hear somebody say, I can't see Scott. Where's Scott? They couldn't see one of the helicopters. They weren't sure where it was. Well, it turns out it was right underneath them. And it moved into them or they moved into, and I don't remember exactly the scenario on it, but they bumped each other. And on channel 15, you see the the feed start to cut out and it goes staticky. And the anchor that's there, uh, she goes, oh, we're clearly having technical difficulties, but the audio is still potted up. Now, the weird part about those helicopters, they're fitted with very good equipment, uh, very good camera and microphone equipment. And even in the event of like a storm or even through some pretty treacherous conditions, they still broadcast. Well, as they're fading down the sound, you hear these guys. Well, you hear one of the guys screaming. You hear the guy that was just on TV. You hear the death scream that he's letting out because they know what just happened. And I'm sure somewhere in the annals of Channel 15, they have the full recording of what happened even though it was potted down on tv i'm sure they have the recording the full recording of the last few seconds now i don't think they got all the way down to the ground with the audio and everything but there's probably several seconds more of what happened there and maybe the investigators heard it and uh, i don't know but all i can tell you is as a person that saw it live and then wondered what happened because I mean, even as a person watching it, you knew something bad just happened and you're not entirely sure. So then when you flip to another channel, you see, I think the guy's name is Don Hooper, who was the pilot for the Channel 10 helicopter. And he's on there just screaming about and he's like uh, panicking almost like uh, basically out of breath 
saying that the two helicopters just collided. And of course, you, you look outside and you can see all this smoke right over kind of central Phoenix. And it was just, it was crazy. I mean, that was, that's just something you can't unsee. That's something you can't unhear. So when I say don't go and watch it, I really do mean that. That's not like a sarcastic ha ha ha. Because even though it's a second or maybe two seconds, it's that death scream. You know exactly what happens. So uh, unless you're an uncaring, unsympathetic dick. But other than that, it's pretty emotional. It's pretty tough to watch that and listen to it. So I would just go ahead and avoid that. And speaking of things to avoid, I don't know if I really want to do this. But in spite of my better judgment, going to leave the random switch turned on. This could go really badly. It could be something I wind up hating. It could be something you hate. It could be something that uh, ruins the rest of the show. Might not be. It might be something good. Let, you know what? Let's keep it optimistic, all right? Ugh, all right. It's time for the random song of the day. The zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Song of the day. And it is... Okay, well, this isn't so bad. It's Paramore. This is still into you. The zip code famous Michael Groff Show random song of the day. Can come the years on hand that we've been together. I need the other one to hold you. Make you feel, make you feel better. It's not a walk in the park to love each other. But when our fingers interlock, See you. 
Laura Morris still into you. The zip code famous Michael Groff show random song of the day. That could have gone a whole lot worse. Could have been something I really hated. We could have had to sit here and listen to 50 Cent or Eminem or something else like that. Now, of course, you could have fast forwarded through it. I would kind of hope that you never do that to this podcast. But of course, that's always your option. Me, on the other hand, I have to sit here and endure whatever would have come out of that system right there. So... That's a bullet dodged, and I think we can get through the rest of the show pretty easily now because, well, you know what time it is. Who gives a fuck? It's the news that the media wastes valuable newsprint, megabytes, and airtime reporting. Do you want me to give you my things I don't care about speech again? And the only question we're left asking is, who gives a fuck? It's that time of the show where we try to expand the demographics of this program by presenting you with the stories that I may not necessarily care about. And many of you in this audience may not either. But obviously, we're in the minority. A lot of people clearly do care about this stuff because it's making all the major headlines on media outlets everywhere. It's the music news, entertainment news, all the kind of stuff that normally I'd skim over. And I compress it right here into this fine segment. So here we go. I kind of care about this. I'm not exactly sure what the implications are, but... So Fox and Disney. The merger looks like it's finalized. Shareholders of 21st Century Fox and Disney have voted to approve Disney's $71.3 billion buyout of major Fox assets. Shareholders gathered Friday morning at the New York Hilton for the separate meetings to vote on the historic transaction. Uh, This all started back in December, and it only lasted about 15 minutes. Gerson Zweifach, general counsel of 21st Century Fox, told Fox shareholders that the merger is expected to be completed in the first half of 2019. He hailed the deal as a transformative transaction that will enable us, I guess everybody, to unlock significant value for our shareholders. So, this is going to be big news. Now, I don't know what ramifications this has. This is what I'm talking about. What does this mean for all of the Fox shows? What does this mean for... I mean, I'm sure that Family Guy and all these other, the animated shows, I don't know. Are they all going to be cleaned up or just canceled again? No more Simpsons? Is everything going to be pure as the driven snow on Fox? Which I would find extremely funny. The same network that used to bring us shows like Married with Children and Who Wants to Marry a Millionaire, Darva Conger and all that. Joe Buck will be happy. He won't be able to be uh, outraged by anything on his network anymore. That self-righteous asshole. I always think of these mergers as a bad thing, of course, because whenever media companies merge, it means less options for the people. It also is an indication of where the media business is headed in general. Less is not more. That's how I always look at this stuff. And comedy is getting far too sensitive, according to, of all people, Joe Piscopo. Yes, somebody got a whole... I didn't even know Joe Piscopo was still alive, but apparently he is. I guess he still does stand-up somewhere. I don't know. Quote, 
When you perform comedy on stage, I find myself checking myself, he told Fox Business. He says that I'm talking to some of my buddies, and if we did today what we did back then, our careers would have never made it anywhere. Nowadays, it's like the more we preach tolerance, the less tolerant we become. That is kind of the ultimate irony of the way things are going right now is that everyone's talking about tolerance and yet we're so intolerant of any speech that we don't like, any speech that offends us. Now, of course, I know I'm in the minority in the sense that I'm not offended by any speech. I don't... If I was in charge of a network, it'd probably be a disaster because, honestly, I don't really find anything that offensive. I mean, I get why people get offended by certain things, but I personally don't find anything offensive. It's words. It's especially, and as I've talked about many times, it has to do with intent. And if your intent is to be a dick, if your intent is to be racist, to destroy somebody, to be a complete jagoff, then yeah, that is going to come across that way. And of course, it's bad. And yes, you probably should face the music or at least face some scrutiny for it. But if your intention is to make people laugh, if you're making fun of yourself, as well as if you're just laughing at race and sex and all the stuff that we go through in life, disabilities, if you can't laugh at that, if you can't laugh at yourself and you can't enjoy that, and you can't allow someone else to poke fun at that and each other, then, I don't know, you're just a humorless dick. And I hate to say that Joe Piscopo sounds like the smartest guy right now, but he does. He says, quote, Everybody is too sensitive now in comedy. If you're going to go after Roseanne, then you have to go after the rest of Hollywood and the double standards that should not be. You know, I, I just, I think that's really the at the core of all of this. And I'm not saying what Roseanne said is right. Was why? Right, I know Roseanne. I, I got gotcha. you. I'm not saying I'm not saying what Roseanne said or did was right. I'm not saying that she didn't deserve a reprimand for that. I get it. That's kind of an extreme example. But at the same time, you know what you're getting when you hire Roseanne. Is it should it be tolerated? No, Roseanne's an idiot for she has a boss who's black. And then she says what she said about Valerie Jarrett. That's not smart. Okay, that's stupid. That is not something that you do. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, at that point, you just have to know your audience and know who you could be offending. Oh, well. Now, with that in mind, you know what this segment has really become? There's two things that we do in this segment now, basically, every time. What shows are getting rebooted or... What celebrity made a comment on social media between 7 to 10 years ago and is now having to answer questions about it? Well, here we go. <laughs> which, do, which one should we do first? The reboot? Okay, let's... Okay, here we go. Sarah Silverman is facing scrutiny because of a tweet that she wrote... Nine years ago. Her tweet says as follows, quote, 
Hey, is it considered molestation if the child makes the first move? I'm going to need a quick answer on this. Okay, child molestation humor. Now, Sarah Silverman, for those of you that don't know, she's a, a comedian. Been around the business for a while. And she's sometimes really pushes the envelope and tells some pretty outrageous stuff, says some pretty outrageous jokes. Unlike certain Amy Schumers in Hollywood, she doesn't steal her jokes from other people. Obviously, that was something that she said, not something somebody else said. But anyway, um, of course, she's having to answer for it now. On Wednesday, this... I like how... This reads, on Wednesday, the conservative publication Town Hall posted a story about the tweet with the headline, Disney voice actress and comedian Sarah Silverman also joked about molesting children. Now, the article did note that a Twitter user called her out a couple of years ago for it. Uh, the tweet says, well, was that supposed to be funny? Because it wasn't. Sarah Silverman replies, that's okay, doll. Comedy is subjective. I thought it was a funny slash dumb tweet eight years ago when I posted it. Exactly. I mean, we really, I think what we need to do is we need to have a statute of limitations on Twitter. If, if you don't get offended by something after about, I don't know, six months, then maybe that's an indication that it really wasn't that offensive. Yeah, but what if I didn't see it till eight years later? Well, obviously, you've lived eight years of your life without having a problem. Obviously, your life went on just fine, even though that thing was looming out there on the Internet. So you're going to be okay. Again, it's not like Sarah Silverman said, all right, you know, I think that Third Reich thing was really great. Let's bring it back. Yeah, so, I mean, even that... I don't know. It's not like, well, whatever. You you get the idea. This is getting ridiculous. I can see why people are moving away from social media because we've just become a bunch of gotchas. We're becoming a bunch of uh, nosy Nancys. It's weird. I'm going to look through Sarah Silverman's tweets and see if I can find something that was offensive from years ago. And then when I do find something, I'm going to get outraged about it. I mean, I'm not really, but I'm going to do this in the hopes that other people get outraged and then she has to face the music for it. Boy, oh boy. All right, so that's our person gets hit from a tweet from nine years ago part of the segment. Now... We've got a couple of reboots to talk about. They're making another Charlie's Angels movie. And my question is, why? This one stars Kristen Stewart, Naomi Scott, Ella Balinska, and it's being directed by Elizabeth Banks. I didn't like Charlie's Angels in the 80s. I mean, I know... This sounds like it's sacrilegious for me to say because I grew up in the 80s. I'm supposed to love all 80s television. I know. I, I really want an ALF reboot. I don't know how you could reboot that show. He gets killed in the end of it. Or he gets... 
um, experimentations done on him by the government. Incidentally, what a screwed up ending to that show. It's supposed to be a fun, happy sitcom show. And then the last episode, Alf gets taken away and is dissected by the government. <laughs> like, that's a pretty dark ending to what's kind of a family-esque sitcom. That was really weird. If I had to go back to 80s shows, I mean, there's a lot of weird things that happened in 80s TV. That's a really weird thing. So I don't know if they're going to reboot that show. But Charlie's Angels, I just... I didn't find anything all that enjoyable about it in the 80s. And then I know they had the Charlie's Angels movie, what, in 2000 or 2001? Cameron Diaz was in it, if I remember correctly. Man, that movie, they ran that movie on HBO. They had to run that movie a minimum of a thousand times. It was almost like it was contractually, all right, we're going to run this movie every six hours on one of the HBOs. Why? Uh, Because uh, people need to see it. It is clearly the most important film of the millennium. Okay. All right, now, if you think that's exciting, here's another show. Now, this is from the 90s that's coming back. 90s and early 2000s. Frasier. Uh, They say that it will take place outside of Seattle, where the original series was set. And could feature new characters. Fraser Crane would be the link between the two series, of course. Kelsey Grammer is reportedly meeting with writers to figure out how to launch the reboot. Uh, CBS TV Studios, which distributes Fraser, uh, declined to comment on this, but I guess uh, that's the thing. They're coming back with that. Maybe. That's not a for sure yet, but. Why not? We've got Murphy Brown coming back. Why not just bring back Cheers? Who's still alive? I think almost everybody from that show is still alive. Cliff, Norm. I mean, Norm doesn't look so good, but I mean, he really does need uh, needs all the work he can get. Woody Harrelson, Kirstie Alley. Or Shelley Long, either one. Um, Ted Danson. He's still around. Hell, while, while we're at it, why don't we just bring back Becker? Clearly, Hollywood is out of ideas. If there is no more evidence of that, I mean, you have it right there. The movies that are coming out, seems like at least one out of every four movies that's in the theater now is a remake or reboot of a movie from the 70s, 80s, or 90s. TV. Magnum P.I. is back. Murphy Brown is back. Roseanne was back. It's still sort of back. The Connors. Why not bring back the Wonder Years? The Wonderer Years. You could look at life through Paul instead of Fred Savage's character, Kevin. Oh, my God. All right, well... (laughs) I don't know if I can take any more of it. I really don't. 
And before I get out of here, a couple of email messages just real quick. Rachel says, hi, thanks for still being around. I've been listening since 2009, and it's nice to know that you're still doing shows. Please don't disappear. So thanks for that, Rachel. And then Greg says, Mike, my God, I don't know why I'm laughing so hard at your pop quiz bit from this show, but that was incredibly well done and produced. I can just imagine you sitting there putting in all the extra details and effort. Please don't stop doing that bit. Still laughing even as I continue to write this. Really appreciated. Thanks for the laugh. Needed it today. That's from Greg. And let's see. uh, I think I had one. Oh, yeah. This is from Josh who says, Mike, please don't stop doing the political talk. It's important. Trump is an asshole. They're all assholes. I hope they all get voted out in November. Just like you said, couldn't possibly agree more. I was a conservative up until about 2010 or 2011, and I've slowly been switching toward the left. Although I'll probably never go full liberal because that's just as bad. But I can't take it anymore. The system is completely broken. It needs to be fixed. So that's from Josh. Appreciate everybody for emailing and um, commenting and all that sort of stuff. Want to get in contact with the program? Our information, groffshow at gmail.com. That is my email address, groffshow at gmail.com. Michael Groff on Twitter. There's a lot of lightning outside, by the way, as I do this. Michael Groff on Twitter. I know, shiny object. There it is. The Michael Groff Show on Facebook. As long as Twitter and Facebook remain online, I I think they're going to be just fine, even though their stock did take quite a plunge. And for everything else Michael Graff related, you can go to the one, the only, michaelgraff.com. While you're there, feel free to listen to previous editions of this program. You can also subscribe to us. I would suggest that you subscribe on iTunes or the Google app so that you can just download the shows. They'll get uh, downloaded to you as soon as we post them. Even though sometimes it does take a little while for them to aggregate over there, to propagate uh, whatever gate you want to use and uh, but they'll eventually show up that much I can kind of sort of promise you anyway that's it Uh, we are out of here thank you so much for checking us out we'll be back again uh, next week of course plan to do a couple of shows at least every week Uh, might even be back tomorrow who knows but we'll keep it up not going to disappear not giving up Why? Because I'm an idiot. That's why. All right. See you again for another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. Good night, everybody. Everybody.